counting down in five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome to Cam Talks, Miss Gemma Gordon. How are we? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Uh, yeah. All here into North London. Into the abyss. Into the abyss. <laughs> into the abyss. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it? Tell me, have you ever been in a warehouse before? No. Really? Well, I must have been in a warehouse before, but I have been nowhere like this. Mm. I, I'm really quite impressed with how you guys just cohabit in such like a relaxed, nice environment way. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. No, I don't think it is. I think I'm surprised that like I haven't really met anyone that's done this before. Mm. Well, it's, it's a big growing community, like, you know, the London warehouse communities. I mean, they used to be really like reserved for artists and... I guess it was a bit more, I mean, they used to be like pennies, you know, like, oh, I have a warehouse, stick a bunch of people in it. Now they're getting a little bit more gentrified. Mm. People are like, oh, people will pay premium for the experience of living in a warehouse. Mm. So it's kind of going a bit up market. I think I would recommend this to anyone that was moving to London and knew no one. Wow, that's actually a great idea. Mm. Yeah, move into a warehouse. Get to know a load of people mm. and then very quickly move on. <laughs> yeah, because people seem really friendly as well. Super friendly. That's the number one thing here is you can't you can't be sad all mm. day. And a lot of people do kind of get a little bit sad and sometimes you kind of feel like I don't want to see anyone, but you got to see people around here because you've got to go mm. to the kitchen, you've got to go to the showers and you're just like, hello. Yeah. Hello. And what are people's schedules like? Pretty uh, diverse. I mean, some people are like night owls. Like they, they go out at night, um, either work, or whatever and all day party and they'll sleep mm -hmm. during the day the first day I, I, I got here was actually a festival happening outside the garden so I was like this is nuts and I loved it obviously every second of being here I was just like this is incredible yeah. the next morning I wake up and it's just like abandoned and there's no one here and I'm like oh everyone must be out already working or doing gone for do. brunch yeah no 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 no, no, no. I, I definitely feel like <laughs> people don't go for brunch here <laughs> Maybe no, that's just me. We have a really nice little cafe <laughs> around the corner. If you can kind of walk past the uh, the bullet holes on the wall and like, it, it's a pretty dangerous area, I'm not going to lie. Like. Can we just tell people listening to the podcast what I texted you when I was on my way? Please do, yes. So I said, I said to Cam, I said, wow, what a lovely area. It doesn't even feel like London. And then I get here and you tell me that it's what, like the top? Stabbing capital. Uh, it's got a lot of gum crime. <laughs> gum crime? Yes, chewing gum everywhere. You know, that's the worst kind of crime. It is. No. Have you seen uh, Top Boy, the, uh, the new Netflix show? No, I haven't. It's all about London bad man. So, oh. uh, yeah, don't let that put you off. And I, I would advise anyone that's going to come onto the show in the future, don't watch Top Boy before coming here. But I, you just wouldn't have known at all. Like, mm. I was like, oh, it's so peaceful and quiet. But I do kind of... I sometimes feel like my life, you know, Lily Allen, that music video where yes. she's like just walking through and there's so much crap going on around her and she just That's out of her eyes she just sees like flowers and like I sometimes I sometimes feel like that's my life wow, okay. well, yeah why don't you tell me a little bit more about your life because I mean oh. it's the first time we've met but yeah. obviously we have mutual friends and, and, and we've yeah. spoken many times shout out Corinne Silver oh, don't, don't that, give him the that's all you're getting that's all he's that, getting that's all Corinne so I know you're <laughs> listening to this so anyway big up Corinne but uh, give us a little summary of who you are what you do mm. you know what you stand for Okay. That's a lot, isn't it? Well, um, I'm 25, 25 years young. I'm an actress and NHS recruitment consultant from London. Um, my father is a priest and my mother quite a successful entrepreneur. Um, they brought me up in a, I had an amazing upbringing, 
lot of integrity. Um, they never pushed religion and stuff on me and my sisters, um, which is nice. Yeah, of course. Um, but it definitely shaped me to the person I am today. Um, so when I was 19, I moved to New York to go do my acting training. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. That's the dream, isn't it? That's what everyone wants to do, the big apple. Yeah, well, it, it was, it was. Um, and I had an incredible experience. I got an amazing training. Um, and I graduated with a first class honours, but I also came out with an eating disorder. So a lot of the work that I do now um, is around mental health. So my recruitment is recruiting, you know, mental health practitioners across the UK. Wow, much needed, eh? Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed the NHS won't go to crap. But yeah, that's really negative for your podcast. Um, <laughs> it is. I mean, no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, but we'll be okay, and hopefully I'll still and have a job. You, you came back to, to London to mm. carry on your acting uh, career, is that right? Yeah, so I graduated, and I came home. Um, had no money, obviously. <laughs> when you just graduate, you don't. So I lived at home for a bit, um, and I was rehabilitated by the NHS, which is why I'm so passionate about them. Wow. Yeah. Um, the care I got from them was next to nothing. Well, no, is that the right saying? Well, I mean, it... it it costs next to nothing. Cost next, it costs next to nothing. But the impact and the value it had in your life is, is clear, right? Yeah, wow. yeah. And so uh, you, let's, let's, let's bring it back to the, the childhood very quickly because I know you've done some amazing other stuff, like you're a Miss Universe finalist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, the, everything that we're going to talk about today, by the way, is just, <laughs> it's very free-flowing. You know, I really want you to just kind of just be free. You know, you're mm. in a warehouse. You're, you're in my bedroom right now. Which is kind what of a cool like, it's the studio there. We all call it the studio. <laughs> so you grew up with a father who's a priest and a mum who's an entrepreneur. Is that not the, the start of a joke? <laughs> exactly. Well, um, her business is piano. So she is a very successful like private piano teacher, mm. to be honest. But she's very, um, she's amazing at the way she controls her money. Um, but she does something so creative as well. So I think my acting, which is obviously very creative, comes from her in a way, even though it's not musical, it's more physical and verbal. I mean, your but... dad's a priest, though. I mean, mm. that's, I mean he's, a, he's a showman, right? He's got he's to be yeah. there and, and, and invigorate people's emotions. Oh, he's great. So... He's just got Instagram, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's got a priest on Instagram? Yeah. Really well. Go check him out, Jonathan Gordon. <laughs> Jonathan Gordon, everybody. Go and give him a follow. <laughs> but he just posts, posts photos of the cat, really. Wow. Yeah. So obviously, uh, I mean, I went to Sunday school growing up. I, I, I got kicked out, actually, um, unfortunately. <laughs> what? I got really into dinosaurs at a certain time, so I, I kind of started reinventing the, the, the Bible stories mm. uh, to my friends. And I think the, 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 the person running it's on my mum. <laughs> Don't think he's conducive to the class. So I kind of went the other way. Um, but, you know, tell me a little bit about sort of growing up with a father who's a priest. How was that? How was that? I... How how was it? How was it, Jem? Um, it was sometimes a bit intense. I mean, I was born in Stoke-on-Trent. Then we that's lived. Intense. <laughs> I mean, Stokey. next to a toilet factory. <laughs> I mean, that's just where the church was. Um, and then we moved to Manchester, and then we moved to Reading, and then we were in Southampton, and then we ended up in Birkenstead, which is where they still are now. Um, so it was a, kind of a bit like an army upbringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, always on the move. Always on the move, always changing schools. I was always kind of pushed into environments where 
you know, I, I had to make friends quick and I had to try and have fun because we might be moving again in a couple oh. of years or whatever. So I never really had like that, um, like group of people that I grew up with and I still know. Mm. Like I know um, some of my friends, I think I get quite envious because they're like, oh, my friends from home or they're like, oh, my school friends. And I'm like, how do you, how are you still in touch with your school friends? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, how many schools did you go to? Oh, I don't know off the top of my so head. I, but... I lived in Manchester for eight years, but I was actually, I went to school in Southampton. So, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, already we both lived in the same city. Now London, of course. And now London, so, yeah. yeah. So you must literally just go and gather friends in every city. And I mean, thank God for like the internet and like Facebook. And I know. Because I genuinely wouldn't even have a clue of what their names were anymore. I know. I mean, I don't actually have Facebook, <laughs> but I do have an Instagram and I'm a big texter. Like I, I like texting my friends, but... I would say my best friends are my sisters. Aww. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? Two. Two siblings. Two With sisters. Two sisters. Two dad and three daughters. Yeah. Wow. Like a... <laughs> he's a priest. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, he's our best mate. Like, he's so relaxed. He's just a genuinely good person. Um, but actually, me and my sisters were just in Amsterdam. Ooh. Have you ever been? Amsterdam, yeah, all the naughty stuff you get up in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, well, I really wasn't aware. I knew that that was what Amsterdam was for, but actually, <laughs> I'm just a big wino. Ooh, like, I just okay. like to drink wine. No, I like that as well. Um, wine, red, white. Um, probably a Savvy B. Ooh, if it's a white, if okay. it's a red, I like a Malbec, but then I'm also a big Prosecco I fan. I think I could drink red wine casually. Really? I feel like red wine's reserved for like a good steak, you know, or like something where. A late night, you know, like I'm, my family brought me up on wine. Uh, we're from the Channel Islands originally, so there was a lot of drinkers there. So, you know, I've drank wine from the age of about four, mm -hmm. you know, which I think most. Okay. Okay, Cam. I became an alcoholic. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about mental health, right? Well, this is interesting <laughs> because actually, uh, the island that I'm from is called Alderney. And Alderney is a little island of three by two miles long in the English Channel. There's about 1,200, 1,500 people that live there. And uh, they call it um, 2,000 alcoholics clinging to a rock. That's what they call it, right? Really? Um, the reality is when you get there is that everyone d does drink all the time, right? Um, but their, their mental health is absolutely on point. It's almost like their mind is is like so positive mm. and so energized with the community around them, their mm. friends, what they're doing, the activities, that the alcohol isn't a problem. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't debilitate your ability to go out and, and conversate. It just helps it. Mm. So I think there is, you know, th that's the problem with, with drugs in general, whether mm. it's, you know, a drink or, or whatever drugs you, you decide to take they can have a good effect and a bad effect. Mm. So it's interesting, you know, talking about Amsterdam, because Amsterdam is like that kind of party kind of drug cap. I don't know what, it's just... Yeah, I guess if you're aware of that, it is. Yeah, but I yeah, wasn't yeah. really, like... <laughs> so I mean, like I, take me to a wine bar I, right now. Yeah, I mean, I was just having a great time. Amazing. Uh, we were staying, like, in a hotel, like, two miles out of the main city. So we were doing a lot of walking, but we got really good weather. Gotta throw in a weather comment as we're British. And yeah, we just kind of spent the days on the bikes, walking around, um, and drinking wine and coronas and I just had the best drink time. Driving? Like drink cycling. Yeah, I guess. Oh, is that a good idea. Probably not. But we weren't smashed though. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's a British Gypsy. thing to get smashed. We live more confident, like, eating wheelies. No, yeah. 
<laughs> Just doing wheelies around all these tall Dutch Just people. Brits abroad. Brits abroad. Brits are terrible abroad, though. Like I well, have to say, like we're not the best. I mean, you and your sisters, I'm sure, looks glorious walking around Amsterdam and yeah. enjoying the culture. But then a group of lads come from next to you know somewhere dark, and suddenly yeah. you're like, that's why Brits should not go on holiday. <laughs> the funniest, yes, yes. <laughs> Just stay in freaking Cornwall. But the funniest thing was, we went to visit the late um, red light district. Of course. And there were some British guys like walking around like, oh, look at that one. Like, he was just like gawking at them. And I was like, oh my God, that is so embarrassing. Like, it just makes me ashamed to be British. But at the same time, I think because our culture is very like, you know, Toodle pip. Yeah. Like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> yes. Golly like, gosh. Gosh, look at the bosoms on the. My God, is she naked? I don't understand how Britain is so outrageous, like when it goes on holiday, but then when it comes back here, it's like we just complain about the weather, we complain about everyone else. We go on holiday, we're like, Freedom. I know. Like, look at all this culture. Just take it to another level. You know that holiday that you always have when you finish high school? Yes. And you go to like Lower. Magaluf or you, <laughs> yes, or you go to like Zante. Yeah, well, yeah. I went to Magaluf. You went to Shagaluf, they call so it, So right? cringe. Wow. And I went with um these girls I was friends with at the time and I just, it was just awful. Like I would never go back there now. I don't awful. know why we thought it was a great idea. So and cheap. Cheap. But it was just like, I remember, I have a really vivid memory of me and my friend walking down the beach and she trod on like a needle or something. Oh. And, like, we, we had to go to like this hospital like, oh, no. and it was just like, whoa, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my Christ. Wow. Well, I'm sorry anyway. your friend. That's not what you want to do when you go on holiday. Oh, she was fine. I thought you were going to say like jellyfish or something. No, no, just a bit of No, no. <laughs> Heroin, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. You know? I went um, surfing in Fort Ventura once. Wow. And um, one time, I, was, I just went on my own. I was staying in a hostel. I just wanted to try something new. And um, one day, this Spanish instructor was like, so, who's afraid of jellyfish? And I was like, what? I was like, what? What is he saying? That's a jellyfish. <laughs> you know, like the only British person in the group. Yeah. I was like really scared. And then the lifeguard comes over like, yeah, there's been a sighting for man of war. Man of war is like the most dangerous jellyfish wow. in the world. And the surf instructor was like, oh, it's okay. And he was like, look, if I can get in, you guys can get in. And he just dived in and was swimming out. And then he shouted back to us, look at me, I'm absolutely fine. So everyone else got in with their surfboards. And it was the first time in my life where I froze. Like I wanted to get in, but it's like, it it was an amazing physical experience. I'll always remember if I ever need to use it, like with an acting job or something. It's like, I felt like this wall was like in front of me and I literally couldn't move. And it's just the human mind, right? It's yeah. just fear. It's fight, flight or freeze, right? Yeah, and I froze. Yeah. It was mental. What did you do? Like, would you just, just like, I just sat, say anything? I just sat and watched. Oh, you sat and watched? Yeah, I just so you, keep... You put your legs in, like, No. You sat there and <laughs> I just had visions of like going under a wave and then a jellyfish just attaching itself it, to my it's face. It's real though. Like, I don't know why yeah. locals are so bloody like chill. You know, it's, it's like... Spanish, isn't it? Like, it's like... Africans or like Australians. Yeah. Like, oh, don't worry about the shark, mate. <laughs> 
It's absolutely fine. I only got bit by a little nipper. And you look at that back with a massive gouge up. Oh, just a baby one. Like, yeah, mate. Not happening. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Killing you there. But look, you're, um, you are a little bit of you're an gonna adventurer. You're going to kill me. Right? You've, um, you've mm. done a few uh, adventurous things. You know, it sounds like you've got a little little something in you that just wants to go and try new things. What, what is it that gets you out? Especially on your own. Like, when you're going to go out on your own and yeah. these days. I don't know, I just like new experiences. I mean, I go to a lot of events in London on my own and I meet people there and then you either click with people and then you stay in touch and then you go to more events. Like, I think... It almost sounds like because of your childhood moving around a lot, you're really, you're okay. I really am just quite okay. Yeah, (laughs) it's just okay, is it? No, I think, I mean, coming back to the mental health thing, because I was so sick and then I put so much work into myself, like mentally, to recover at a young age, it kind of made me quite a strong person. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, because everybody suffers with mental health at some point in their life, whether it's anxiety or depression or even like a bit of OCD or, you know, waking up just not feeling okay. Like it's almost like waking up and you've slept on your arm and it's dead. Like you notice it, right? I think there's a big, there's a huge surge at the moment with mental health awareness and that makes me really excited. I mean, I'm affiliated with a charity called Centerpoint and we do work with females on the streets. it's not just a female charity, it's a young person's charity from 16 to 25. Um, but I kind of focus more on the female side because it's just something I'm interested in, but that's probably... No, no, it makes a lot of sense. I yeah. have to say, because like, I've done a little bit of work with homeless charities and it is different you know, for men and women. Uh, not, you know, n- n- there's no one of them that's more important, but mm. certainly with, with women on the street, you've got a whole lot more problems to deal with, right? So, I mean, how how do you help women compared to men? What's the kind of the main differences? So, at the moment, I'm currently working on like a short film I'm making and it's about female time of the month on the streets, actually. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, <laughs> okay on the, back to jellyfish. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's how do they deal with that? That, that makes you feel awful yeah. as a woman anyway, right? Can you just imagine for a second being freezing, not having anything, not having the energy to go and find something? I'm a big believer in asking for help when you need it because there is always available help there. It's just a case of having the courage to ask for it and then brave enough to follow it through. But a lot of people don't know this. And my goal for the documentary, um, I've done a teaser, I'll send it to you. We can put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to share that. Yeah. Well, it's more like, how that has an impact on your mental health. So external circumstances affecting your mental health when it's taboo, when it's the time of the month, when it's so, like you don't even want to think about it. It's interesting because I feel like if men had periods, (laughs) we would absolutely fix this tomorrow. Like it, it would be something that you'd say, okay, let's let's make tampons absolutely free for all. Mm. Whereas men literally don't understand the female 
the female uh, anatomy. Oh, well, some do actually. Yes, some do. I, mean, I think we all we're all aware of it, but I think it's one of those things where, like, oh yeah, we know about that. And anyway, moving on. You know, but yeah. it is something that you've got to constantly think about. Like I literally struggle to wake up, you know, at the same time every day. Let alone try and think about the one time in the month I have to do something extra in my life. Like that must be. I mean, we're not just talking about the menstrual cycle here. We're no. talking about the emotions that come with it, the the extra things that that come with it that men just don't quite understand. Well, yeah, but it does it does apply to men as well, though. You know, we can't forget that. Like, I call it life overwhelm. Like, sometimes you just wake up and you're like, do you know what? I'm a bit overwhelmed with life right now. And, like, if you don't have anyone to talk to, if you don't know what to do, it can kind of dig like a black hole, I like, in here, right? And then when it gets deeper and deeper, that's when your mental health starts to really suffer. And no one knows that you're suffering mm. because especially in Britain, we have a very like, oh, positive attitude, which I don't want to say too much about this because I actually am a supporter of. I do think positive attitude is like one of the most, the biggest internal cure for feeling a bit blah. You're mind like, powerful, right? Right. Think it and then your body will follow. Ah, uh, but like a hangover. <laughs> because you know, if you're always supposed to be bloody positive all the time, exactly. There's probably the issue there where I mean, this is something that I think we all kind of feel, especially artists, people doing what they love. Mm. It's like just be positive and just be this all the time. When mm. can we just say, you know what, today's not my day? Mm. You know, and I think this is maybe why the the conversation of mental health is is so it's so applicable right now because mm. everyone realizes it's an issue mm. uh, i think the um, the statistics of like you know the amount of work days lost in the uk is horrendous like employers are losing billions and billions in uh, for all these different industries because people aren't able to take the time off to in order to, to cure themselves essentially and then more than that we're just not okay with talking about mm. it you know and i think you know women are great at being able to talk about a problem they see a problem they talk about it they mm. want to fix it right men We'll just talk, just look the other way. We'll look the other way and try and talk about something else. And I think, um, you know, one of the statistics about, you know, suicide is that it's the biggest killer in men, Mm. you know, particularly men in construction jobs, Mm. right? So labor jobs, anything where it's like, you know, supposed to be man, Mm -hmm. masculine, whatever. They're just not willing to talk about it. So Mm -hmm. tell me how, how have, as your experience kind of working with, uh, I guess, have you worked with people in mental health issues or are you trying to train people to deal with tell me a little bit more about that so i'm a big believer in you've got to realize how far you've come to understand how you can move forward and in a healthy mindset way so what i do is i use my recruitment skills um with my from my nhs recruitment (laughs) it's like i do so much um and i help them put together cvs um so we start from like zero and we're like okay what have you done? And they're like, well, you know, like, I like football. And I'm like, great. So what does that mean? You're a team player. I like it. You can work with people. Skills, team players. Skills. And, you know, you can take, if you're like, oh, um, actually, I just really like listening to music. Okay, so you're a creative. What benefits of a creative do you have? And, you know, I mean, I'm, I am no therapist. I'm really not. I'm like genuinely just a volunteer. But you see in their face, like, yeah, like, because you can feel so unbelievably worthless yeah, when yeah. you feel like you have absolutely nothing to offer the world. And even the most successful people can sometimes feel completely worthless because it's not balanced, because they have too much of one thing and not enough of the other, or something's missing. And I think I'm a big believer in, in balance. 
the balance. You need to get the balance. Yeah. But this is tough, right? Especially when you are either in a financially poor position or you're, yeah. you know, you've got a lot of other stresses, you know, in your life to actually look at your self-worth. Mm. I mean, it's not even on your radar, right? I actually did a little, I uh, made a documentary um, that was following the lives of 300 people uh, in Manchester. Oh my God, you've got to send that. <laughs> do you know what's really unfortunate about it? The entire thing was lost on a hard drive. Back. No. This is crazy, right? Along with a load of other work that I do. <laughs> really good stuff but what, what I did is I invited three homeless people into my home right I, I showered them I gave them food I got, got more backpacks where I would give them I wrote them CVs so every single one of them got like uh, we sat down wrote their CV put it in a little um, waterproof bag and I was like go and hand that out right and of course within like a day all three of them come back to my house and this time they know how to get into my apartment so mm. it, was, it caused them a lot of stuff and I realised now it's not as simple as just saying well here's what I would do you know, mm. and go and go and do it, you know, because they've not got, they haven't got, got a house, mm. you know, and then when I visited the hostels, the hostels were disgusting. Yeah, oh God, yeah. It's like, this is like, this is beyond, like, you can't even, like, get yourself into a good, like, mental state mm. when you're around other people who are suffering mm. in a derelict building that, you know, drugs are everywhere, you know, crime is everywhere, and hearing their stories about, like, you know, and I guess it's, it's similar in the sense of, you look at their past, you try and say, okay, where did you go to school, where did you do this? You realise they don't even really uh, like understand because it's been such a long time since mm. someone asked them where did they go to school, mm. what did they do, what were your jobs? They're like, I think it was in like nineteen eighty, I don't know. Mm. And you think, wow, so you've, you've been disconnected from society. What what we know as being this like this positive support, mm. and we we look at the world and we go, yeah, this everything's for us. Mm. But they're very much looking at the world and thinking nothing's for me, mm. and I have to try these things, which mm. you're never going to even understand. So. I mean, tell me a little bit more about how you want your your short film. Mm. So it's a documentary which is following the life of Pooh Yeah, so I want to show how Centrepoint rehabilitate people. Um, so it's very specific. It's homeless. It's a young woman. She's got to be between the ages of 16 to 25, and she's got to want to be rehabilitated. And I just want to follow that journey because when I was recovering, I wasn't homeless. <laughs> it was completely different. But I found it really difficult to to stick with what they told me to do. But the more I did it, the more, the better I felt, the more empowered I felt. And I would have loved to kind of look back and, and watch like my self-esteem, like my self-worth and everything go back up. Because mm. I think it really helps when you see someone else's journey, you can apply it to your life and you can think, well, I could do that. Because it's not just about being homeless. It's not just about, you know, having no money. It's sometimes you can, you might be in high school and you might be getting A stars, A stars, A, and you still feel worthless because you, you don't know what to do with your life. Like you're getting praise from people. Oh, well done, that was great. You must be really working really hard. But, like, how do you know what you want to do? We see all the time in, like, yeah. high performance, right? You know, like, um, particularly actors, you know, actors who have maybe been really successful very quickly, they suddenly don't feel like anything they can do is, is wrong in the eyes of the public. Mm. But inside, they're not, you know, they're not happy. And everyone's mm. telling them how happy they should be feeling because of how great they are. Mm. And you think... That's know, people projecting their own unhappiness on them because they're thinking, if I had that, I'd be happy. Grass is always greener, right? Always. I mean, so as an actor yourself, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, how how do you kind of uh, deal with your own kind of mental health? Knowing that there's a lot of rejection, right? There's yeah. A lot of times that you, you try really hard for something and then you don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. What, it, what keeps you going? Doing other things. 
to be honest, filling my creative cup up with whether it's Miss Universe Great Britain, which I just did, or, you know, doing the work with the documentary at Centrepoint or getting stuck in to, you know, my job, which I actually really love, um, and networking and talking to people, asking what other people are doing, being interested, watching stuff, and then more, because trust me, my God, like, it's no, 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 no. And as an actor, you never really know why. You never really know when you go in and you're seen for Colgate, you know, and you don't get it. And you're like, you're like, well, yeah, maybe I should have paid an extra, you know, five grand to get that tooth fixed. But then you've just, I've learned to just let it go. Just let it go. Uh, so you, so you, you let go of one thing, but you pick up another quite quick. Oh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I get bored very easily. So I like to be busy. I like to have a million things on. And I know eventually I'll find my niche and give 100% to that. But right now, I guess I'm still working it out. I like that. So I mean, that's <laughs> kind of contrary to what you're kind of told in school and how you're brought up. It's like, you know, work really hard at something. It's like, shouldn't it be work really hard at a lot of things mm. and see which one sticks? You know, I think that's mm. always been, for me personally, I've always done loads of different things in my life and, and always wanted to be someone different. And mm. my parents have been incredibly supportive of that. So I, there's never been a time that I've thought, oh, I should just go get a job doing that. Because mm. I know I'm still in the experimental phase. Mm. I don't think a lot of kids get that ability to be that free. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever they feel when they're growing up, like, oh, I, I just got a job in a, like a, I don't know, a, a waiter. Mm. So 10 years later, I'm still a waiter. So how the hell am I supposed to now go and become an actor or become mm. a whatever, you, you know? So it's like, I feel like a lot of these things start at a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, how do you at the age of your 20s or 30s or 40s or later mm. decide to just go and try different things? Because mm. that has got to be one of the hardest things ever is to just do. To just do. And I mean, your original question was about acting. We're actors. We're people. So we have to have life experiences. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, what can we show? What can we share? What can we bring to a story or a character if we're just, you know, waiting around for the next casting to come through, in my opinion? I think if you live, you live life and then you can give it back in acting roles. That's it. I mean, it's almost like the, the experience you gain gives you the ability to try new things. Yeah. Right? So experience seeking. I mean, you're a very, you're, you're a massive experience seeker. Like, you know, I, I have mm -hmm. to say, like, it sounds like, you know, we've only known each other for a very, a very short time. But yeah. you've, you've built your yourself out of the experiences that you've had. So you've chased certain things. I almost see it as like Tarzan. Like swinging mm. through the jungle and like you know you can't grab hold of the next vine until you let go of the other vine and yeah you know, it really I'll is, take that yeah, yeah. It's a good analogy right <laughs> that wasn't mine I, someone no uh, I like that, that. <laughs> um, actually, I like to say I'm a bit more like a ballerina you know, I kind of I like to stretch out really really far and then come back <laughs> you know, stretch out really really far and then yeah. come back and there is always for me this lull this like I call it like a, a three day um, like a hibernation where like for three days I literally will not do anything yeah I'll watch films I'll just eat takeaways and to a lot of people that's like oh you're not doing anything productive but it's mm -hmm. like I will burn out like because I'll work like for three four weeks straight and then just like then take a three-day break you know I think that's probably the the hardest thing is to tell people how to work 
because mm. everyone's like, oh, I should wake up at 6 p.m. or 6, well, 6 p.m., mm. 6 a.m. every day. I should do this. I should do that. Because everyone's always looking for someone to tell them what to do. And it's mm. so tough, right? I mean, you've got all these books. You've got everything that you can read, but you are you. It's really interesting that you say that, Cam, because um, I, you know, when you're on Instagram and then things that you've been looking at pop up, well, I love to follow like motivational stuff, like, you know, wellness, you know. Yeah, I like that. Like, I that's kind of what I like to look through. If I'm going to be on my phone, I like to see positive stuff. But this, um, I won't say the name or anything because, you know, some people might love it. But it was basically like, you need to wake up before 5 a.m. And you need to work out and you need to plan your day and you need to do this and you need to do that. And I was like, God, like that's pretty intense like what if you just want to wake up at nine like there's nothing wrong with that and it was almost like I looked into it further just because I was interested from a mental health perspective and all of the comments on this guy's photos were like oh I feel really bad because I didn't wake up at 5am today or I didn't get my workout in and I'm like oh my god stop like that is so damaging like just because you're, you think that your life is going to be better because that's what he's selling if you wake up at 5am. When actually, I'm reading through your comments and you just seem really stressed out and bad about yourself. And from a mental health perspective, that is so damaging. That's tough, isn't it? it almost seems like there's way more nuance in life than, than people. I don't think our language is geared up to mm. really explain how life is mm. you know we're very our language is black and white it's on off it's, it's analog it's you know we have to do that in order to communicate but that's a real problem in the, the age of social media where we're trying to communicate on mass to mm. so many people and it's like well we can't possibly speak to everyone but we are speaking to everyone mm-hmm. well, everyone has the ability to look at you and it's like what, what you know i don't see a, a, an easy way around this unless we just stop giving out advice to people mm, no. or just just taking for people for who they are and making suggestions not if you do not do this then you will not be successful buy my book buy my book, <laughs> buy my book. I mean, do you yeah, see what maybe, i mean maybe the book title should just be um do whatever you want <laughs> Literally, just do whatever you want. And maybe this is the thing. So, like, there's a really good expression, which is, like, you, uh, don't expect a fish to climb a tree, you know. But, yeah, you know, we're all different animals, right? We're not just a fish. Like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so everyone's got their own... It's like an archetype, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in acting, it's like, you know, there's there's acting different characters. There's different genres of, of films. Mm-hmm. There's differences everywhere. But, yeah, we all come out of the same cookie-cutter schools. Mm-hmm. We all read the same bloody personal development health books. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't quite write our own book because we're too busy figuring out how we should be and not just saying to ourselves, what would I do if this was my last day on Earth right now? Exactly. Write your own book. Or don't write a book. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's write the book of your life. Just You know what it is? I'm going to write a book that <laughs> says do what you want and then it's just going to be and it's just going to be like, it's like a diary. Like and then maybe just a little like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> or like suggestions. Today I will do blank space. Uh, tomorrow I will do blank space. What a yeah. blank day is blank space. Yeah. You know, people need to be able to appreciate Didn't learn that. anything, but I had a great day, actually. Had a, great day. had a coconut latte. Yeah. <laughs> but look, the other thing, of course, is that you, know, you do become the sum of the five people you hang around with. Right? Mm-hmm. So like, surrounding yourself with people, and it doesn't necessarily need to be positive. Like, I'm a big fan of positivity, but some of the, the best mentors I've ever had in my life have been 
assholes. Mm-hmm. I've been people that have literally dragged me through the trenches mm-hmm. and have pushed me beyond my limits. But now looking back, I'm not, no longer, you know, feeling that way. Mm-hmm. I go, damn, that was really important for me. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest issues we have is to look at ourselves in society and say they're not good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, but actually assholes are great for you. You, know, you. If you can be self-aware enough to realise that just because you hang around with someone who makes you feel like shit, but you can throw away those feelings at the end of the day, actually makes you a much better person. And I think that's the nuance that I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. like... God, don't don't avoid failure. Mm. You know, embrace it. Go and love it. Don't mm. avoid arguments. Mm. Jesus, some of the best, like the most creative people in the world, have argued the mm. toss out of everything, mm. and they come up with the most amazing thing. Mm. So it's like you have to kind of embrace the bad mm-hmm. as well as the good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe something that I'm kind of on this path of. It can mm-hmm. be hard, especially when you work with people and you start criticizing them in a way that's like, no, that's that shit. And it's like, don't tell me it's shit. I'm like. But it's shit, mm. you know, and I think some people are so precious in the sense that they just can't accept, you mm. know, other people's problems, you know, we've all mm. got failures, so just look at it, listen to it, and make make of it whatever you want, but mm. I do understand that comes from a place of having been in all of the failures many, many times, so I've got a thick skin, Yeah. you know, you, you say that to someone at the start of their journey, mm. who has no idea how to accept criticism, no idea how to accept failure, and you've suddenly become the worst person in their life so yeah it's tough yeah I have I do have a person in my life like that actually and she's my manager in LA (laughs) yeah she is um she actually coached me through Miss Universe Great Britain that's how you know and then she took me on as an actor and we'll see what happens but um she I remember we were we were having one Skype meeting and it was for the interview round where you get asked a question right And I had pre-planned in my head what I thought was the right thing to say. And we were going it, we were like practicing and she just like went quiet and then she was like, Gemma, believe in yourself. I was like, what? She was like, what are you talking about? And just went off on one. I was like, and I was like, yes, like you're so right. Like you are so right. Like I am giving them what I think they want when actually I just need to be who I am and it's so crazy because I never thought I'd be the person to try and give someone what they wanted but we do it subconsciously Interesting. it was just yeah. but she was a very very like I'd almost dread speaking to her but I knew I needed it and I'd just put aside the fact that she didn't ask me how I was <laughs> I'd just be like okay <laughs> and and she's amazing and I love her to bits and we have a great relationship but it's very much like like you were just saying school of hard knocks yeah and it's good know what it feels like to yeah i think that's i really i just read a book called um radical candor Mm -hmm. radical candor is all about how um especially in in companies you have to be very straight up with what you think because a lot of people sugarcoat things to the point where it's not helpful for that person Mm -hmm. you know and and in the same way it's not helpful for a person to not feel like they're being correctly mm. criticized and so being candid with someone is not a skill we learn mm. because especially in schools and you know you kind of get this sense that we have to always do the right thing but mm. sometimes doing the wrong thing is fun as well 
Yeah. So we get to, to fail and learn, right? Yeah. So look, Gemma, tell me about your experience with Miss Universe, because this is crazy. I have a Miss Universe finalist in my bedroom right now. This Miss Universe Great Britain. <laughs> well, the Daily Mirror. No, oh, it was awful calm. Like, I released my freaking um, recovery story to the Daily Mirror. They published it and they put Miss Universe. I was like, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> this is Miss wow. Universe Great Britain. But anyway, the difference is like every country has their final and then there's Miss, the Miss Universe final. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, with all the planets and everything. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Pluto, always like a really dark horse. <laughs> and then Jupiter. <laughs> um, don't really come out much. No. <laughs> but my experience of it, that was your question. How did you get involved in it? Um... Well, you asked me earlier, how do I cope with not having, like, feeling like I'm not going to enough castings or auditions? Yeah. I find other things to do. Yeah, like started to started to put the feelers out there. I was desperate to just get my teeth into something creative, and yes, this is before yeah. I discovered Centerpoint and everything. So, I hadn't really started like creating my own work yet, but um went along it's quite a rigorous casting process Miss Universe GB I mean there's a lot of walking up and down there's an interview um it's fine it's it's fun and then you get selected and if you do you have three months of really hard work to prepare for this competition um please tell me how the hell you're supposed to compete in a in a in a, in a, in a competition list how do you what do you, what do they ask you? So Miss Universe Great Britain is focused on female empowerment, basically. Like it's run by a feminist. Um, Miss Universe is a feminist organization. Actually it used to be ran by, um, no, Donald Trump used to own it. Okay. Um, but they don't anymore, obviously. Good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to clear that up because a yeah. lot of people in their head are thinking, hey, isn't where Trump was perving over all the women? It's, that is very much the old school uh, view of pageants it has changed so much I mean it's almost done like a three like a 180 like it's com oh, like most things, like most things yeah. it is completely different now pageants are more of an American thing they're pretty new well, they're not new to the UK but they're not as talked about as much um but I used Miss Universe Great Britain as a platform to get myself more work basically so from it I got a huge contract with a skincare brand called C2M who I still work with, yeah. Um, we were actually just shooting some stuff last weekend for the shopping channel. <laughs> yeah. Oh that God. is, my that is calm. I don't feel like it's the type of thing you'd have on in the studio. <laughs> no, no, we have a TV, but no, we're not going to put it up. So obviously, so you got the, the exposure that you wanted in order to kind of, you know, get some stable work, which is great. I just like got myself opportunities from it. I was like, I'm a Miss Universe GB finalist. Can can you sponsor me to do this competition? Um, go for dinner with them, wine and dine them a bit. Yes, we will sponsor you. Um, and also, I came out of that with the contract. And then I also approached SensePoint. I was like, I want to work with you. I'm a Miss Universe GB contestant. And just having a little hook like gives you a little bit of an edge. Um, and then on with SensePoint. And I mean, we've talked about we've talked about that already. Um, I also got a personal trainer. I was probably in peak shape, like the fittest I've probably I've ever been. I mean, my abs, my God, don't have them anymore. Because it's like, what are the categories? Like, you know, it, it, I almost think this is like the Olympics, but you do everything. You mm. know, you 
So, oh, so the actual competition. Yeah. Okay, so, well, the, I guess the reason why my mind went to the prep is because well, 70, 75% of the competition is the prep. Right, gotcha. And you are judged on the prep. But um, the actual story is like, so yeah. The actual competition. I, I became amazing. What are you on about? Phenomenally. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I ate green juice. <laughs> I did actually. I mean, I was, I was in serious levels of health. Wouldn't it be funny if you um, spoke to him and was like, I eat McDonald's every day. Yeah. You know, like 100 cigarettes. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so when it came to the competition, mm. you're being asked about how you prepared, what else? Yeah. Else I mean, else they, else they don't care about how much um, training you put in, but, you know, you're story, representing, right? you know, you're, you want to be a a role model so you want to be healthy because you're being judged on how much girls are going to look up to you and feel the need to propel themselves into the next level of their life so the actual um it's a three-day event so it's pretty intense um so the first day is an empowerment day we had this guy called Jermaine Coach who was amazing um really fun like it's a bit kind of awkward at that point because you don't really like know the girls and and things like that. I mean, I have a habit of finding someone with a sense of humor and then just latching onto them. Great. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're my best friend now. yeah. <laughs> if someone's funny, I tend to just want to hang around with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. And then the actual night, um, you have your three minute interview. You have three minutes to tell them all the work that you've done. Wow. Which is hard. I mean, I went through about probably a hundred drafts of my three-minute interview, which but was basically just a speech because I was like, "There's no time for them to ask you me a question." Speech, you, you no, oh god. Well, peace. <laughs> Not something I stood for actually, but obviously. <laughs> I mean, what like obviously we spoke a little bit about mm. uh, you know, your your work in mental health and. And obviously, yeah, you're upbringing. But what was the the thing that you said to them? I mean, I just I just told them me. I was like, this is what I do. I stand for recovery. I want to encourage people to ask for help when they need it. Um, break the stigma of mental health, really. Bam. And I was you just dropped the mic. You know, and I was like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I was actually in a room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've done your your interview, and then what's kind yeah. of the What's the, the next bit? Oh my God, it's so, this is the most ridiculous part. There's an opening dance cam and it's so cringe. Did you do I, the Macarena? Like, no, but it, we were all in these dresses and um, it was just cringe. Like, you know when you just cringe out a little? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I like this. And then obviously you do the catwalk. Um, well, Don't sh- move on. I mean, <laughs> so, so we did a little. Uh, I think it was to a Beyonce song, or oh. it's a little mix song. Oh shit! Yeah, a little mix. Oh, Actually, did everyone. You swing your hips. <laughs> did you? Did you click? Yeah, I did. Wow, Jesus. I clicked a lot and I wow. swung a lot, Jesus. and a lot of hair flicking. Um, and were they judging you on like, No, you, like, well, come well, they say no, <laughs> but I reckon they were. Oh, you should just start crumping. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you have to, like, come into this huge auditorium, like, screaming, like, yeah. 
<laughs> so embarrassing. I mean, you uh, have experienced that. Stuff I do. Yes, I did ballet when I was growing up. So yeah. Like you could just stand there then. No, just pirouette. No, I do. That's it. <laughs> and, but that actually definitely helped with the walking. I mean, I'm not a model. So I had to learn how to walk, basically. Wow. Like walk on a catwalk. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> hip, hip, pat, pat. Spin. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I'm not a model. Do you? Yeah, no. Yeah. See, I, I, I grew up as a contemporary dancer, right? So I was a contemporary dancer. No way. I did a bit of ballet, did break dance. So I was like full on, like, yeah, I wanted to be, be like step up or like stomp the yard. I was like, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, but like, I, you know, I love step la- up. Later on, I kind of just like fizzled out of that, of that kind of phase in my life. But when you're on the floor popping those moves, and next thing you know, you see someone else popping some moves, aren't you thinking, they're popping them better than me. <laughs> gotta, gotta like bring it to the next level now. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's where it comes out in the walk. Yeah. And you like, sat, I think there's a video, no, not a video, a, a photo of me on my Instagram actually, where I've just turned and I look, I look so moody. <laughs> but I wasn't, you know, that would have changed into a smile. And um, But it is a performance, you know. So as an actor, it's, it's great. I mean, it's so different, but... When I first came home from New York and I was ready to like really get into acting, I toured with a Shakespeare company. Incredible. And Shakespeare actors, you've got to claim it, you yeah. know? I mean, those characters were written for people Woo. to claim them. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of just like that, really. Wow. But I didn't start doing Lady Macbeth on stage. Yeah, thinking, do you think you could walk <laughs> That's my talent. As quick as you could walk. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you ever seen anyone walk? Backwards, really confidently. <laughs> no. like, I think that would be interesting. In like eight inch heels. Yeah, just like... Bam, bam, bam. They're like, oh my God, look at her. She's incredible. That would be terrifying. <laughs> that would be terrifying. I would imagine it. So tell me, did you ever fear the whole, you know, well, we all know what happens sometimes, right? Mm. Just like the, the fall, the collapse. The mm. bam, bam, you know. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. I, I had sleepless Didn't nights. Did you practice the fall? Because, like, let's face it, if you practice the fall, you might be able to roll it out. Or no, see, out. I did not. I didn't even not want to think about it. I didn't want to even let that thought Good. overtake me. I just thought, oh, my God, that might happen. And then... Erase it from the mind. Let's just practice. Great. So um, tell me, so after you've done the interview, you've done the, the walk mm, and the dance, the mm-hmm. dance, what else is there? Um, and then you're basically... They call out the runners up and the winners and everything. So I, I came seventh. Seventh? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what? Like, you know what? Seven's good. Seven. Seven's good, right? I would love to know who came I mean, first, though. Like, who was the first? Um, So the first, yeah, well, the winner um, was a, like, makeup artist and a presenter from Cardiff. Great. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. She was she was a really lovely girl. Like respect to her. I mean, she has the kind of career where she can give her life to pageants, and she can make her life the pageant. Amazing. I obviously couldn't do that because I'm too busy. But yeah. Hey, you'd never recognise her on the street, would you? Probably just put a new face on. Like this is me. This is me. No, she's great. Being judged on your personality, on your dance moves. I yeah, mean, I'd never do it again. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I did it, and um, it was a. It opened up a lot of doors, like a lot. My problem so, is that do you not think that the people watching these, the young women watching these, are having some skewed view of what is perfection and what they should be because of the fact that you all are being judged? There is a first, mm. second, third, fourth. How many did you go up to? 
Um, I think on Wikipedia there's t- the top ten. Mm. I mean, like, come on, like, when we're putting people on pedestals, mm. you got to start asking yourself, like, am I part of the problem or am I part of the cure? Mm. Now, quite clearly, you are, you know, when, when, when you're here in person, you are brilliant. Like, mm. you, you would inspire me to go off and do amazing things. But <laughs> as a Miss Universe, mm. previously owned by Donald Trump, mm. do you not feel like in some way this is kind of a detriment to young women looking up to us? I absolutely understand why you think that and to be honest yeah I I think it might be and looking back on my whole experience of being in that competition I actually I mean I guess all I have to say is I wouldn't do it again because I don't you can go into it with the best possible intentions and you can rinse that opportunity and get as much as you can out of it, as well as getting involved with other things like charity and you know get yourself more work. However, I feel like there's something a bit crooked in the pageant world that going into it as someone who's not experienced in that world whatsoever, I had no idea. A lot of politics. And uh, I would advise a young woman if they wanted to do a pageant, to really focus on the preparation and the work and how you're growing as a person around this competition, because it is a competition, right? How, how are you improving? How are you bettering yourself around this competition? And then the final pageant, as it were, the stage, the show, that's just kind of like a nice, ruled line to well, underline the, end, the opportunity right? yeah and you've got to just kind of shake it off and carry on the work carry on being the amazing person that you've become in this preparation for the pageant and then take it into your real life that would be my advice to any girl so what, what have you kind of taken away from this like what's, what's your biggest lesson oh my biggest lesson from Miss Universe Great yeah. Britain um I definitely think it's about recognizing how far you've come to understand where you have to go or want to go. I also think another lesson would be um, push yourself, but in a good way. Don't be selfish, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Just don't do it. It's annoying and it doesn't get you anywhere. Get yourself involved with things. Do things once a day, which makes you a bit nervous and have a lot of fun. I mean, this is the thing is that like, there is no alternative uh, to, for guys, right? There is no Mr. Is there a Mr. Universe? There probably is, right? I think there's like a Mr. Super National or something. Bloody hell, we don't even get to like represent the universe anymore. No, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's. Um, I don't know. But in the same know. way, it's it's that's Cam. You don't need to do it. You've got wow. you've got loads going on. I've not seen my <laughs> you like, you are like, killing life. You well, don't need to do a pageant. I, I have to say, like I feel <laughs> what you're saying here because it's like if I was to do a Mister whatever <laughs> Mister Universe, I would probably go get in shape for one. I would then look at the things I could be doing to help the world. Too. I would then try and help myself. <laughs> uh, you know, you know with the and then I might not even turn up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what's cool? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for and me I really, if anyone, if any young girl is like 
will somehow listen to this conversation and they're thinking about doing a pageant, I'd really remember what I just said. It is about the journey. It's basically about three months of making you, you know, 20% extra in health, career and relationships. Like use it as a process, don't use it as a final competition. Otherwise you are setting yourself up for disappointment because of the politics. Yeah. So, but yeah. But more importantly, were there people that you saw at the pageant that were that were quite clearly in these roles, like there for the wrong reasons? You know, people who, I don't know, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to say like pushy parents, but like people who are like, right, let's go. You know, speed all those bitches. Let's, let's trip them mm. up, let's kill them, let's <laughs> tear their limbs off. Like, it must get quite vicious when you're in the arena. Yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking of parents, I know, like, parents can be pushy. I mean, my parents were like, Jem, like, you don't need to do this. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to do it. And they were like, okay. And my mum and sister turned up and um, bless my mum. She was in, like, this beautiful M&S dress and she looked so nice. But she just felt so, like, stupid because she was like, everyone's in designer clothes. Oh. and she just felt and that made me angry mm. I was like mm, don't make my mum feel like that um, <laughs> and what about your dad because your dad's a priest I mean this is, yeah. like, this is like the most random story ever like you know <laughs> your dad's a priest and you're in Missoula what's you know where was he about all this my dad looks at the journey. He was excited about all this stuff I was doing. Um, you know, the, these opportunities that I was kind of taking and giving it my best shot. He was more excited about that. He definitely wasn't at the show. Why would he want to see people yeah. his daughter's age walking around in bikinis? Bad press. Bad press. <laughs> you see that man over there? He's a priest. He's a priest. <laughs> this is disgusting. Wow. No, but it, it was, it's, it's, it's so motivational to see someone like yourself who just says yes to so many things who, you know, I think, don't think a lot of people really consider that they have a lot of different things they can do. It seems like people say, oh, I do this or I do that or I do that. And it's just so refreshing to see someone that just wants to just try everything. I know. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe I maybe I should just focus on one thing. But I've realised from looking back Everything I'm doing connects to each other so strongly that if I took something out right now, it would almost be like cutting off a limb. Like yeah. everything I'm doing, and I notice this when I'm journaling and stuff, everything I do, I've kind of, it all in some crazy Gemma's life way, works together. And um, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. It's a beautiful mess. Yeah, it's a beautiful mess. It's a very beautiful mess. So tell me, um, mm -hmm. the obviously, so Miss Universe, absolute, like, yeah, massive experience for you. Mm. What's the next big challenge you're going to steamroll over? Well, um, I have been nominated for a Mental Health Awareness Award. Oh, incredible. Yeah, with the Root of It Awards. Um, so that's going to be a huge award ceremony. We've got Gary Lineker involved. Um, lots of, Quavers. like... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Monster Munch. <laughs> you just have like Tourette's <laughs> and you just start, <laughs> just start shouting, Chris. <laughs> oh, I, think that's what I, I would love to get someone with Tourette's on the show. Actually, I, I've oh my god! Wanted to know actually, you know. Where, where I love it. Right One thing about me, I have a very British dry sense of humour. Like the more <laughs> offensive, the more I kind of find it funny. <laughs> It's so, like, like, this is what you should have done at Miss Universe. Yeah. You should have just got, like, gone completely yourself. Yeah. And, like, just crawled down that catwalk. And just, like, and just got up there and been like, all right, wankers, yeah, let's go. Stop flashing them. <laughs> you know, go, let's on tour, let's on tour. So, no, obviously, so the, the mental Sorry. health... Um, so, so, so what's the actual... Uh, is it a competition? This isn't a competition. No, 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 no. Competition. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Tell 
me what's the best thing you've ever done for someone's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> so the mental health awareness award, that's incredible. Yeah, um so thanks. I was gonna post some information about it on my Instagram actually. Because um it's op- completely open to the public, but then it also has like high flying celebrities involved as well. Um because obviously they have the opportunity to reach loads of people. Um it's all about breaking the stigma. It's gonna be a fun night, it's gonna be fancy, it's gonna be um, you know, celebrating a change. And change and Mr. Gary society. Lineker himself. Yes. Mr. Walker's Quavers. Yeah. Maltesers. <laughs> he is. Uh, I mean, he must be a great advocate for for men's mental health, especially mm-hmm. because you know he's all laddish, right? He's, he's like mm-hmm. a football man. Yeah. I mean, that, this is the thing. He's you, beautiful man. He's a very beautiful man. He's he's a very beautiful man. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Every time I see him on TV, I I'm bet like, he got oh, that Colgate commercial. He doesn't eat Walker crisps. So like, I bet he gets sent loads of crisps every year, but he's just like. Give them away. Give them away, please. Yeah, exactly. Remember we used to get pogs. Remember pogs? What are pogs? Uh, they're the little things they used to put inside crisps. They're like, they're like little, um, you get them in like Monster Munch and stuff. And you used to like put them together. And, I mean, toys oh, cool. in crisps and in cereals, they're just not a thing anymore. No, I mean, it's all the environment, isn't it? Like, McDonald's have stopped making toys in their Happy Meals because they're made out of plastic. That is one of the saddest things I think I've heard all day. I'm really sorry, Gab. No, no, I mean, it's okay. I'll just... <laughs> what yeah. the hell is going what on el- What world? else is going on with plastic? Um... Are the straws, the McDonald's straws, we all know that they're not straws anymore, are they? They're just like, those pieces of, of paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, sometimes when I order a gin and tonic, I'm like, I want a straw, and they're like, we don't do straws here. I'm like, sad. okay. It's sad. But no, this is another... Off track. Thing, right? <laughs> no, 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 because how are you with the environment? Do you like it? <laughs> do you like the environment or do you not like it? Once I did actually a bungee jump and raised £350 for an environmental charity. Oh my God. Is there yeah. no limit to what you're for, for the good of, of others and yourself? I love animals, I must say. Whoa, um, stop. There's a big difference between animals and the environment. Oh yeah, true. Doesn't require the same things as an uh, abandoned dog. So, like, no. I think this is. This I'd probably is, try and help the dog. Exactly. You know, that's actually, if you ever want to go and help some dogs, I'm down. Not yeah. that humans aren't just as valuable, <laughs> but like, I'd love to help some puppies. I know. In baskets. Like, I know. Um, They're too much. They're, They're too, too cute. much, aren't they? But this is the thing. So, like, the big topic right now is the environment, mm. it is being more sustainable, being more kind of friendly towards nature yeah um what are you kind of what are you what are your thoughts are you, are you you're not a spokesperson for the environment to be honest you? no i mean fuck <laughs> the environment <laughs> <laughs> i understand i appreciate that it's obviously a big thing and i appreciate and understand but i don't understand fully what's going on but um who's that girl greta, greta. Oh, she's so sweet. she was the one that actually made me stop and think about it no one else I love that face. So for everyone else, they like they always make a thumbnail, like the smiley face with Greta. It's like let's, let's get the most ugly photo. We I know. She's like she's like, like this amazing alien that just appeared from nowhere, and it's I just. Think she's brilliant. She's amazing. Yeah, stop hating on a bloody child, everybody. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, do people hate on yeah. her? Yeah. Well, look, this is maybe... What? Look, we're all part of different silos of, of attention these days. So, so you get served the inspirational, the, you know, the great stuff. 
Maybe not so much. No, I kind of go down the whole like controversial. I mm-hmm. kind of I spend more time engaging with people that are controversial. Even if I'm trying to defend something that I believe is is right or wrong, I still get to see more of this stuff. Mm. That's the way that that you know the eco chamber of Facebook works. But mm. I see a lot of hate for this little girl. You know, I, I actually see a lot of pictures comparing her to like Nazi kids. You know, what was that? The Hitler Youth, and all this kind of shit comes up on my timeline of this like. This girl who's re- trying to represent, you know, a particular issue, being like, yeah, well, you still drive across places. You, she got a boat right to America when she went and did her speech, and this boat, as far as I'm aware, is a zero emissions, like beautiful boat. And Jeremy Clarkson, the, the probably the most right wing, you know, manly man, said, yeah, but she still had a backup diesel engine, didn't she? Didn't tell you about that, did she? You know, like, dude, there's something really disgusting about a full grown man finding a problem with something good there's something really disgusting about it i don't know it makes me feel a bit like oh we do live in that age age, and i guess you know arguments and controversy are what gets things going gets the world changing but greta (laughs) what a babe i'm sorry but like i want to be her friend like greta's gonna be well like she's gonna be well she'll be well yeah you know she'll be well good yeah. The environment might not be, but she'll be well good. Yeah. She get, she'll life, probably get gonna, to retire at 17. Do you know what? I don't even think she wants to retire. Because no. like, this is the point. It's like you find people who have, and look, regardless of how she, she figured out the environment was like her thing. I'd love to know. She is now the champion of the environment. The biggest problem people have is actually finding, I mean, causes of being around, you know, whatever you care about, go for it. Who's the face of homelessness? No one. Mm. You know, who's the face of the environment? Greta. Greta. You know, great. We need to put faces <laughs> to causes in order to care about them enough. Yeah. So that's a great thing. I yes. really do think it is. Do you reckon her parents are just like, wow, we created that? We created a monster. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No, I'd, I'd be super chuffed if that was my kid. You'd be so proud. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Do you reckon they just think, wow. Yeah, like, absolutely. But you know what it is? It's we like, did that. <laughs> it's easy for someone like Greta to build this momentum because so many other people have been waiting for her. Mm. They've been waiting for their champion to mm. come and step into the arena. And this is the point about champions. It's mm. like, we, we won't be able to identify or recognize a cause without a champion, without mm. someone's face to put to it. Mm. And God help me, I love Attenborough, but he was way too old to represent the environment. Mm. And now Greta's come along. It's like, brilliant yes she'll be here way past jeremy clark we've got hell. a good 17 she'll years of greta trump goes to hell she's gonna be yeah there, you know when i mean old. what is like trump's opinion of her and boris he and her. he hates her so much all of them all of these like you know right wing you know um anti i wouldn't even say anti-environmentalists but there's there's people now who are like oh we don't believe in climate change because the earth is is always going to be getting warmer and like yeah blah 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 blah, blah. it's like God, the world is so much more complicated than the way you're trying to make out to it. And the problem is, for every piece of shit that comes out of their mouth, there's a million people that will go and regurgitate that shit. Mm. And that's the issue, is that, like, you know, it plays into their agenda, what they want. Someone like Greta, I mean, the fact she's even coming to the defence mm. of what these people are saying about her, I'm, all, I'm a bit like, come on, Greta, love. Mm. Come on. Like, ignore the bullies. Ignore the bullies. Come to Uncle Cam. If you're watching, come on to Cam Talk. Yes. You know, in all honesty, like we are just about we're about the complicated. Yeah. I love talking about complicated issues because I'm a massive left right lefty. 
Like I am not I am not politically inclined for any one party. Mm. Like I joined the Labour Party because I love Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. I was like, he's like your grandfather. Mm. You know, he's always <laughs> a wise old man, almost like Obi Wan Kenobi in yeah. Star Wars. Like he's not going to actually kill Darth Vader, but he might train <laughs> the person that goes and kills Darth Vader. So you've got to appreciate that everyone has their own little something special to bring to the world but yeah. this is all you can ever possibly do is to bring awareness to something you, know, you can't like you can't change the world by yourself no but if you are inclined to tell people about climate change and, and you know mm. it's not people like Greta that are going to have a solution for climate change it's not people like Extinction Rebellion mm. sitting on bridges and lock, locking down London that's going to have the solutions mm. but somewhere out there are going to be very clever people who want to actually solve a problem that they see on a wider basis. So, you know, there's companies now that are trying to turn, you know, the, the most ridiculously, uh, you know, processed like, rubbish into something good for the world. Mm. There's companies who are trying innovative things because they see the problem statement exists. Mm. They're like, here's a statement, the environment's going to hell. Why is it a big thing? Oh, because people care about it. So I'm going to come up with a solution to fix that. And so that's just... So interesting. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> means no worries, <laughs> does it? <laughs> um, but you know that food waste thing that you're seeing on the tube. I can't. I'm just. I can't remember the name of the Olio. app. But Olio. Olio. I know but the Olio guys. Did you? Yeah, but yeah. that is a big issue. And you. Until I read that ad, just waiting for the North Line, I didn't realise it was an issue. And then I was like, Oh my god, that is an issue. Oh great, they're fixing that issue. Or they're doing what, something about the it. The guys at Olio, and I, I say the guys. What I, are they like? They're fantastic. So the the two co-founders, um, they're, they're they're ladies who really care about um, basically not wasting food. Because the interesting thing about Olio is that it allows you to take a picture of whatever you have left over in your fridge or your cupboard, and someone in the surrounding area can come and and, and take it off. Mm. So it's amazing for companies that don't want to have wastage. It's amazing for people like us, you know, in an area where. There is a lot of poverty. Mm. Like I bet you, I mean, around here, I think if you use the earlier app, there's around seventy-five thousand products. Really. That you don't pick up within the about ten mile radius. You go somewhere where maybe it's more affluent. You're probably not going to get so many people wanting to to take part in this. So, mm. but it's allowing people who are on you know low income, you know they've got like large families to feed, like they're able to now get by better whilst allowing the people who do have to throw away stuff, mm. something to, to throw away. Mm. Now, what I do know is that Olio's got a very ambitious goal of getting one billion Olio's, Olio's? users on their app. Right, now, that so... that what, like, one-seventh of the world, one-eighth of the world using it? That's, that's incredible. That's a very and I reckon goal. they'll get there, though. I think they absolutely will, because like, we're so much more aware these days, aren't we? Yeah, so anyone listening can go and download the app. Download I'm going to go app. do it on the tube. Well, no, do it, because actually, if you're walking back from here, you might even go pick up a sandwich yeah. from someone's house. <laughs> Thanks, actually, Margaret. She's <laughs> Maggie. It, it, but then I guess the other question is, like, what, what happens to that food? You know, is it like, is it good food? Mm. <laughs> so, well, I guess that's the thing. But things like bananas or apples or, yeah. you know, bread or something that you know is I'm not... I'm a massive fussy eater. Like, honestly, like... Are if, you? If so what gave do... me a sandwich, I'd be like, can you take out the mayo? Or, like, the, really? Yeah, what so, kind of thing do you eat? What's your so thing? I'm really bad at eating anything good for me. So I hate really? salad. Um, I hate anything that's got, like dressing on it or mm -hmm. like, I mean the fact that a salad is cold is already mm. a problem do you know what I mean I'm so like, you like hot food hot food I like meat I like potatoes mm. I like um, I think I just like chicken nuggets chips and beans yeah <laughs> oh, that is so cute <laughs> that's kind of what I was brought up on oh yeah. but you, 
isn't that just the best? Or like fish fingers, oh. or like a jacket potato with beans and cheese. Yeah. yeah or just, yeah. yeah. There should be more of that. Whole foods. There should. I think I'm probably part of, I'm not like one of those people that is easily marketed towards with food because if I could eat a pill every day that just like gave me everything, I would. That's so interesting. So you're not bothered about eating really? No, I just eat to live. I don't live to eat. So when you go to a restaurant, what do you order? Sometimes it's bespoke. <laughs> I'll just say to them what I want. And hope that they're ready. Can yeah, I please yeah. have bird's eye fish fingers? Yeah, no, no, honestly, it can get as bad as that. It can, yeah. Like sometimes when you go to like an Italian restaurant or like a French restaurant, you're like, can you do pasta? Does your girlfriend mind? Is she like, oh, for God's sake, Cam, just order something like interesting? So I'm so thankful. My girlfriend is, is so lenient on me, honestly. Because she? Like, she, she eats everything. She loves eating salad. Mm. Fruit salads are like one of her favourite dishes. And I just won't even kiss her if like, she's really? it's too fresh. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> Right, that was the other um, week. How did it go? Yeah, it, it was interesting. So I was really nervous. Um, pretty much on the way there, I was always saying to her, like, so what was your dad eating? Aww. So she texted her dad saying, Dad, what are we having for dinner tonight? And he was like, oh, I don't know, we'll experiment. And I was like, shit, great. Sprouts. <laughs> we get to his house and uh, he basically brings out all these vegetables. <gasps> fucking ace. It's just vegetables. Uh, and thankfully, out of nowhere came a chili con carne. Oh my god, like, yes. winner! <laughs> but I did have to tell him at some stage uh, over the trip that I wasn't a fan of salad or vegetables. Yeah. He goes, oh, it's like, oh, well, we have something for that. I'm like, really? You're not going to make me eat salad? He's like, no, no. And long story short, he's inventor, right? He's invented a type of therapy called vibrational therapy, right? Now, this is some. Anyone listening to this right now, you're getting an exclusive. This is a company that's just been funded with three million dollars, pounds, whatever. Oh my God. And what they do is they do vibration therapy. Vibration therapy is you lay down on the table. Uh, sorry, bed. Sounds kind of sexual. It's a little bit weird. <laughs> it feels a little bit weird. Right? You lie in a bed and you have all these speakers surrounding you and they basically like just project this low frequency through your body. So it's like... And you feel it in your body. You almost feel your body like feeling like like vibrating and whilst you're going through this like half an hour to an hour sort of treatment with your eyes closed your therapist sat there talking to you and asking you to visualize and for me i said he said to me like i'm gonna make you eat salad i'm like fucking brilliant you could have maybe done something else but like you know did it work so, well i went through two treatments um i visualized salad in a way <clears> i've <throat> never even considered it before <laughs> visualized salad it got turned into something that was healthy for me so mm. like so the therapist literally says to me okay i want you to imagine what the color of this is and i'm like oh it's obviously green i want you to imagine what the shape of salad is oh it's obviously a triangle because that's mm. a warning sign to me and where in that ah. in your body is this triangle i'm like well it's in my mouth because that's where all the bad shit happens right and um this is okay i want you to now imagine that you're going to swallow that uh you know that shape <laughs> and i'm like oh shit you know and now i want you to imagine that it turns into an orb in your stomach and that orb is projecting positive energy throughout your body. And I'm like, mm, this is great. Whilst being like vibrating really quickly. And um, then she asks you these questions about why is it you don't like salads? You know, where is it this came from? And I just burst into tears. <gasps> I absolutely just started Oh crying. my God. Yeah, bad. Um, because she, she dug up some shit, man. She was like, well, look, where's it? Where, why don't you like salads? And I had, you know, half an hour into this treatment. I was like, 
my sister forced me to eat it. And she's like, good, good, tell me more. What, what did she force you? I'm like, she made me salad. I'm like, bro, this fucking shit. That was just like, this is crazy stuff. And of course, the best thing about all this is that I made a vlog about it. Oh, I wow. I set up a camera and I filmed it. And I'm the first person to ever film this treatment. Oh, my ever. God. Yeah, this is game-changing stuff. So I will be releasing this vlog. In yeah, you must. For sure. I mean, it's just something you have to go and check out. It's, you know, the, the company itself uh, is called Bioscope. So the real secret to this, because vibration therapy is a lot, has been around for a long time, right? You can kind of put vibrations through with sound. And are they supposed to make your nerves more receptive? Or? Uh, interestingly enough, like, can you imagine what happens when, when you shake something, right? Mm. When you shake a tree, your leaves fall off, right? So now imagine that you're having vibrations going through your arteries. It's shaking off all the bad stuff. So all of that bad stuff, the, the grease that is clogging up your arteries, is shaking off. And they've had two heart attacks. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but like, you know, generally, the people who have gone through this treatment, who have had pacemakers put in, have have suffered because of the amount of grease that's clogged up in their pacemaker, because genuinely, it's all just kind of fallen off their arteries and got caught up in the place where their pacemaker is. Now, if for me and you, it would exit the body through urine, and then, great, we've cleaned our arteries. So this is like... Oh my stuff. gosh! Like, they're going to literally be changing the lives of high-performance athletes, people with heart disease. I mean, it's nuts, right? And I didn't even know that, that this is what my girlfriend's dad did. How did you, like, yeah, just went to Switzerland and came back with a new set of arteries. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel after? I felt great. I felt amazing. And of course I said to her, I was like, I want to go try a salad now. And I was like, no, don't force yourself to eat a salad because you will undo the good stuff that we've done. The next time salad is on offer, give it a go. Mm. So that's all part of the vlog that I'll be bringing out soon about me trying to eat a salad. Oh, I'm so excited. Mad, madness, right? But that was a really that's weird experience cool. for me, meeting my girlfriend's dad for the first time. She literally brought me into a bunker. Like, this thing's in, like, a little bunker. Did you think thought, he was, like, going to kill you or something? Um, I thought he was nuts at first. <laughs> honest, I thought he was a nutty professor. I was like, great, it's cracked because pops. It's, you know, <laughs> guys are, like, coming through this room. Um, but after hearing about the science, seeing it work in real life, because the real secret source to this whole entire thing is a device that they've invented called the Bioscope that actually reads electromagnetic pulses. Mm -hmm. So your body right now, everything has an electromagnetic yeah. reading to it. And so he first showed me how this worked by giving me a cup. And he, he gave me this cup, and the cup has a wire in it going to a computer. And he says, all right, hold the cup. And he programs my name, and he says, Cam. And then he says, right, now give the cup to Nina. So I gave the cup to my girlfriend, and it said, Nina. And he says, right, now put it on the ground. And this, this thing could basically measure every, every living being, everything. So in terms of the future of biometrics, you know, the Apple love face ID and, and the touch and stuff, the next phase of that will be literally your electromagnetic reading. Mm. Um, so this device, um, it sits under the, the, the bed that you lie on, and it's able to measure your energy levels whilst getting vibration therapy. So the vibration therapy hits you in a place that you need adjusting. So it could, if you like hurt your ankle, it, they'll, they'll focus it on your ankle. If, well, in my case, it was eating salad, they'll focus it around my throat. Oh. And so then on the, by measuring my electromagnetic pulse and all my readings, they're able to look at the differences. And, and they've gone, it's amazing how this technology works. Like, I don't actually know how it works. Like, it's, it's not pseudoscience, it's, it's real stuff. Mm. Um, but it's so new that it's like, 
you just got to try it. Mm. You've got to try it. So this is it. Maybe the next uh, next time you're looking into, you know, particularly in mental health, right? Because mm. it's like a lot of people try all sorts of biohacking techniques to mm. figure out what they can do next. And vibration therapy is something that I'd, I'd honestly tell anyone listening to go and check it out now. Yeah. The bioscope. I can't um, wait to see your video. It's going to be great. I can't remember the first person in the world to film it as well. I well, think. that's that's good yeah yeah that's uh, good it's great it's great it's um, good to be number one it's good to be number one but we'll, we'll see because this is the thing i'm now in a stage of my life where i'm trying to do vlogs full-time like mm. i would love to make vlogs full-time i really really would but it's tough right um yeah you know having the money to go and do these things is really important which is why this exists you know cam talks this for me is a really good way of meeting new people gaining new clients so i can mm. fund my passion projects mm. which is kind of yeah the main thing so uh, obviously the, the the film, the documentary that you're making mm-hmm. about mental health is so in line with what I'm trying to do. I actually have a short film that uh, I've, I've, I've written in collaboration with a friend of mine called Sunrise. Mm-hmm. And Sunrise is a narrative film which is about a young woman who tragically decides to end her own life. And as she's on the edge of a platform, she gets a phone call from a stranger, a con man that, that phones her up and says, have you been involved in an accident recently? It wasn't your fault. And she says, I'm about to be. And they have this beautiful conversation where this stranger recognises the fact that she's in just complete danger and tries to bring her back from the edge. Um, and oh my God, yeah, that's I mean, lovely. It's a lovely, lovely story and uh, I can't wait to kind of get it made because it really comes from a place of, yeah, realism. Like I've, I've experienced m- my own sort of depression in ways that I couldn't even say was near what people who are really going through something is anything like. And I think that's the thing, the scale and spectrum mm. of mental health is so vast mm. that you, you know just because you can't associate yourself with someone who is on the street doesn't mean that you don't mm. in some way have those issues so it all comes from a place of wanting to spread the message mm. you know, like yourself and I think that making films about this kind of thing is so fulfilling it's fulfilling and it's also important I mean when I was at my worst I woke up like on my 21st birthday in Watford General Hospital wow. like there is no way I was like do you know what? Like, the only way is up. The yeah. only way is up. I love that, though. So, so tell me, so after your own experience, mm. um, and obviously being hospitalised, that's, mm. that's, like, that's, that's way beyond mm-hmm. I've ever felt, and I think most people who have, you know, problems, I say problems, let's not call them problems, mm-hmm. you know, the... Experiences. Experiences that you have um, in your own wellness mm. never really go to that point. Well, for, for, for most of us, let's say. What was it that, that got you you know, hospitalised, what was it that actually kind of resulted in, in you waking up on your birthday in the hospital? I would say the eating disorder had just got me, and it was going to kill me without sounding too deep. It was going to kill what me. Was the problem? Was you, you weren't eating? Yeah, so I had, like, orthorexia and anorexia, so my kind of eating day would depend on how many steps I was logging on my phone. It would be you know, running three miles on the treadmill and then walking from Brooklyn to West 19th, um, which is another three miles. And then, you know, having like a grape or like a black coffee. And then, I mean, it, I was I was getting kicks out of doing what the anorexia was telling me to doing to do. Like it was, if I, I felt good about myself, if I could get through like just an extra hour of being so hungry, I'd feel great. I'd feel powerful. And unfortunately, I was in the wrong environment. I was in the the wrong environment for it to get better. I was in the best environment for it to get worse. Drama school, New York, 
modeling agencies in the building, everything. Gem, you look great. Like, what are you doing? Or no one once said, oh my God, like, do you need any help? Because I was just gagging for it. I was dying for someone to just save me. Um, and when I obviously came back to the UK, the NHS did, and we take it very seriously. And I'm very proud, you know, to be British. We do take mental health really seriously here. And it's becoming less of a stigma. But, um, I mean, that's led me to do the work that I do. But, yeah, no, there is... It's incredible, though, because obviously I don't think that... I mean, a lot of people don't ever struggle to eat. You know, if I yeah. if you put anything in front of me right now, I'll, you know, not anything, but, you yeah. know, if you give me a, a burger right now, I'll eat it. For like, me, it was never about the food. It was never about wanting to be skinny. It was purely just this thing I had in my brain which just wanted to control everything because I felt so out of control. And, like, the more you grip on and keep your eating disorder going and feeding it and you know I see it as like a snake wrapped around your spine almost like just telling you what to do because it will allow you to function normally but people will just think you're really skinny (laughs) but it will allow you to function normally but it will just control literally everything like relationships um everything you can lose so much and it's scary that these things do go unnoticed and in some areas of the world there's not help because anyone can get well, one. When you're in drama school, I mean, what, how are they dealing with this? Do they even deal with this? Do they even speak about they it? They didn't deal with it. At all? No. Wow. And do you think that's changed now? Or is there, I mean, what's, what's it like um, for young people going to school? I would, school I would hope, I would hope that it's changed. Um, I'd hope that there'd be more, like, pastoral support. But it's still a stigma. So, it's as well, isn't it? Because mm. we, we know that physically it's not good for you. you know, and, and people die of this all the time. Mm. And you think, well, but to get to that skinny size, it's like, it's crazy. Mm. I, I find it crazy because I'm, I'm not in that industry. Mm. But if I was in that industry, I could pretty see how you would mm. you know, get sucked into the idea that if I eat a couple of things a day, but what ridiculous, because you're literally, the energy that you're outputting Mm. has got, is nowhere near the amount of energy that you need to input Mm. to to even meet that criteria, so it's no wonder you're like, you know, dropping dress sizes Mm. and going down, there people going, good job, Mm. well done. My lowest weight was six stone. Oh, bloody hell. And I'm like five, eight and a half, so I'm pretty tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, no, there wasn't, there wasn't any help. I'm just going to be blunt and honest about it. You know, I did try to think, oh, was there? Like, was I just missing it? But the only thing kind of keeping me going was my roommate at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my friends. And I had, I met some of my best friends that still live in New York, which is sad. But, you know, they couldn't do anything, you know. But they were there. I think that's important. I mean, like, I mean... I, I've been to New York City once when I was a kid and I just see it as this like it's like London but more <laughs> taller and yeah it's like get out of my way I'm yeah type of thing so there's this like culture <laughs> around New York right which just kind of yeah seeing the billboards and seeing the you know celebrities like yeah it's pretty intense yeah. um does, does it feel like you want it and therefore you have to be like that I don't know like I think it was all coming from a subconscious place. Like, cause when I realized in recovery that it it was never, I had a very healthy body image. I was a healthy size 10 to 12 when I went there. Like I was, you know, I was, I had energy. 
I didn't want that to change, but I felt like, I think going there quite young, I don't think I was ready for it. And I think, I mean, I used to put a lot, a lot of pressure on myself. And I think I was just putting too much pressure on myself and it was the only way I could deal with it. Does that make sense? And your sisters, because obviously, like, mm. you know, were you vocal about this? Did you speak to them on the phone about your these issues? No. So you kept they came out for my graduation, and my they were like, "Oh my god, what what has happened to my daughter?" Oh god. Yeah, well, it was really hard for them, and I. It's hard to see to see them like that. Mm. Yeah. No, it's um. What was it that made you take the the, the action that you did to kind of find the help? Something just changed. I can't explain it. I think it was waking up in in hospital. Something just changed, and I remember this um, this counselor or something came and spoke to me, and she didn't speak. She didn't speak to me about the eating disorder, but she just said, "Are you okay?" I just I didn't know her. She was from Armstead, like really quite common, you know. She was like, "All right," and and that just like. I was like, thank you, thank you for asking. Because no matter how much your loved ones are like, don't worry, we'll be there for you, like we love you, you know. Sometimes it does take a stranger, I think. I love it, and of course, as soon as you said that you were right, you're like, oh, I have a, <laughs> I have a list here right now. Nope, list. Uh, no. <laughs> actually no. <laughs> oh, sorry, no. Oh, but the thing is, I know I'm aware that all this stuff can get very deep and serious, but you know, I am fully recovered now. I have been for like two years and I'm, healthy and you know and I want to give back so I think that's why I've I'm ready to delve back into working in mental health because I'm ready to now because I can appreciate it from another Absolutely. from being on the other well, end you can empathize now right mm. you know, particularly as an actor like uh, I mean do you ever see in auditions do you ever kind of see other people or like can you can you recognize someone that is is going through a similar thing um well nature of the industry at the moment it's a lot of self-tapes so you don't really see who you're up against to be honest oh, you don't you're not sat there in the corridors anymore no like no i mean you would be for theater right. and you know yeah, yeah. but um obviously it's a very competitive industry like it just is everyone knows it um and i view every audition as kind of like a practice like um, a job in itself mm. and then I just send it off and forget about it like because I just think that's the best way to deal with it like I've enrolled in this course called um, Manuel Perot it's called the 21 day self tape course have you heard of it so my first one's tonight Ooh, um, so I'm going to really try my hardest to keep it up for 21 days um, and people that have done it say they come out of it feeling like really like get all their creative juices flowing like ready for Great. roles yeah. ready for because um, you've got to keep it going you know um, I mean that's that's a real positive thing right you know I mean yeah. the point right is that you've got to fill your time with things that I mean everything's a habit everything mm. gets addictive in some way shape or form but doing the self tapes I mean you know it's been an hour and a half now, and we haven't mentioned Corin's name more than once. Oh, wow. Mr. Corin Silver, um, who, you know, a good friend of ours, um, he's taken this to the extreme, right? He does He this. has. I mean, okay. I said, like I said to you earlier, he's the most committed actor I know. Jesus, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not. <laughs> he is. This right now. But this is the point, right? So as an actor, and you're, you're doing think these self-tapes, like, yeah. you're just learning, aren't you? Exactly. And sometimes, like, even in human interactions I see as practice. 
like if you're on the bus or something and it's all quiet and everyone looks miserable, like try and start off a conversation with someone and see where it goes, you know, because I learn a lot as an actor from other people, like how other people kind of listen and you can always tell what's going on in someone's head, can't you? Like you might get it completely wrong, but it, you can always sense it's something. It's really interesting, right? Because I, I watch a lot of fight videos, you know, like yeah. if I'm feeling bad, I'll, like, either, I'll either watch shark attacks or fight videos. I love shark attacks. Oh. I mean, we probably shouldn't talk too much about oh my this, God. there's something about the not being there. Yeah. That is actually great <laughs> for me. I'm like, brilliant, go get him, go get the shark, or whatever. But, yeah. um, so like sometimes when I see these fight videos and, and you'll see like someone on a bus start lipping off and you know, oh, here we go, oh, someone's about to throw a punch. I would love for someone just to stand up and start singing Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> the most I was like, <laughs> that would be hilarious like that would be that would, that would defuse the fight like, what, what's going on and the only person I can ever do that is some kind of actor or performer or stop fighting everybody it's like laughing in a really serious argument isn't it yeah, it's like what what's going on right now yeah like what's going on crazy oh my god this is yeah. crazy I love it Absolutely love it. Well, look, Jen, so it's amazing to kind of get you here because I know, yeah, I'm sure it. we're going to collaborate um, on many projects, uh, not just in the acting space, but also I'd love to get involved in anything to do with the, the mental health space as well, as it, you know, it's, it's something that, that I feel passionate about as well. Great. Not as, not as passionate as you because, you know, obviously <laughs> the, you know, the commitment that you've given to obviously not only in your job, but obviously in the, in the charity what you do is just, oh, really commendable. And mm. I really do hope that, that this award, uh, you know, we we forget about awards now, right? It's about taking mm. part. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's something. It's I've about being recognised and encouraging others to do the same. Yeah, definitely. But mm. also let me know if old Gary Lineker needs a hand. Yes. Or Stephen Fry is on board as well. Stephen Fry. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's huge on mental health. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Stephen Fry. Mm. I mean, yeah, Harry Potter just wouldn't have been saying all <laughs> his uh, audio books. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Do you read books or what do you do? Read books? Actually, I've just finished working on um, a book. So it's kind of like a read, but also like a journal thing. My friend Angie, who's also kind of like a business coach, right? She runs a thing called the Babe Acting Blog. She runs loads of networking events. She runs, yeah, Angela Peters. You just might. She tends to know everyone. She's brilliant. And does she run uh, events? She ru- yeah, um, UK actors tweet up. She runs. That's I know Angie. Yeah. Yes, I, I met her on a plane going back from Cannes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was sat in front of me, uh, and of course, so her friend uh, Shonda. Shona. 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 A casting agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Is it Sheena Dowling? That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. And um, funny enough, I met them both on a plane coming back from Cannes. Did you? And uh, and so I was chatting to them both about. The, film festival or whatever and uh, talking about, about actors and doing self-tapes and stuff like that and anyway next thing I know I'm talking about Corin, right and uh, turns out Corin had only gone and auditioned with her really <laughs> great great this industry is so Jesus you really can't get very ancestral it, right? yeah it is, it is but Angie's great isn't it because she's she's really doing a lot for actors in the community right she's now. fantastic and she's such a like fun (laughs) we bond on how much we like wine but um anyway like just want to big up her book for a second in case there are any actors listening like it's called how to create your own star which is a cute name amazing but it's um it really takes you through all the nitty-gritty specifics about money goals 
three top goals. How, and I, I love, like, goals. I mean, Setting yeah. And, and bettering yourself every day. Yeah. And um, this book, I would really recommend it to any actor, girl or boy. I mean, it is pink, but, you know, gender neutral. Um, and it's, I found it so beneficial. So I've just done it again so that's the second time I've done Interesting. it so, so shout out to Angie then because, um, massive shout out to Angie shout out. yeah there's a lot of the active community and I think that's amazing yeah. to get involved uh, that's probably one of the things that I want to do you know in the future is kind of get more involved in well I must in, say Cam you are like you are quite a motivational person like I can oh, see you as kind I of like a, lot, a life like a life coach or like you know, I don't I know. I actually have a coach. So I've, I've, uh, I've had a personal development coach for ages. Yeah. And um, it really helps. Like, yeah. It really helps when someone can be your soundboard and bounce yeah. off you because it takes, yeah, it takes a lot to kind of figure out where you want to go in life. Yeah. And that's uh, what Angie does to me. And she's a big supporter in actors. She thinks actors should be doing other things to make you a better actor. She does a lot of things. She does a lot. I mean, she's, she's just shooting her own film that she's just wrote. Yeah. And she's going to pop out a baby anywhere. You know, she could yeah, have popped it out when we were speaking for this past half an hour. Yeah. It won't be long before that baby becomes <laughs> a, a star. A star. Well, look, it's amazing. We have a lot to collaborate on in the future. Yes. Um, we have a, we have, you know, we could talk for another two hours. I know, um, we could. We don't have enough water. Um, but to be honest with you, it's, it's been a pleasure having you here and, and talking about all things to do with Jenna McGordon's life. So, Gemma, mm. thank you very much thank for coming you. onto the show. Thank and you. And come back again. I'd love to. Last question. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about in this uh, particular podcast? Do you know what, Cal? I think we've covered pretty much everything that I'm doing right now. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Um, and uh, we did have a little few moments. Yeah. Uh, acting, NHS, adventure sports, uh, mental health, friends of points. I mean, that's kind of me, so I think we've got it. That's it. Thanks very High much. High five. Woo! Woo! There you go. <laughs>